1: Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. or thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it.
2: TNCs apply. Register at longestday.org.nz. This is
1: Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
3: 9.03, good morning, New Zealand, uh, through to 12 o'clock uh, when Mark Stafford will take over. We have uh, a busy show, a lot of focus too on, uh, well, logistics really, uh, and uh, we're going behind the scenes in cricket and uh, rugby. Uh, we'll also have a panel consisting of Jim Kayes and Sam Ackerman. Um, what about uh, the White Ferns? Not far away now from that World Cup on the back of uh, the Super Smash. Uh, what about the top players uh, being informed, the, the makeup of the squad, um, really um, it's do or die time for the White Ferns and uh, all it looks all good actually uh, it looks all good uh, for that World Cup kicking off on time and uh, going through for the month of uh, March in particular so we we'll look for that also pacing for purpose uh, around about quarter to twelve this morning so pretty busy, pretty busy indeed
2: Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon
3: Well, already it's been a bad news, good news, sort of a week uh, for Queenstown. Losing the New Zealand Golf Open was indeed a bitter blow for the region. Loss of income, loss of profile, but made up for somewhat by yesterday's confirmation that at least the first month of Super Rugby Pacific will be played from a Queenstown base in either the beautiful resort itself or neighboring Invercargill, some two hours by bus away. It sounds a costly exercise. It is a costly exercise, but the show simply has to go on look to go on. It's far from ideal but what does ideal really mean these days? Six major bubbles, lots of mini bubbles, highly burst proof one hopes. It won't take more than a positive test or two to can the whole deal. For the players, the strictest of boarding school regs really for the first six weeks. I'll get a taste of what it's like to be a warrior, a breaker or a phoenix footy player, but on a smaller level of commitment. Bus trips might be interesting though. Headphones and batteries will be at a premium. Could be fun too. I wonder, do they still fight for the back seat these days? We'll have a couple of chilly bins of cold ones for the trip home. Or we'll pull over to the side of the road so the lads can get to piddle over the fence into the neighbouring farmer's property, taking extreme care to avoid the electric wire. Do they? All in the bubble, of course. As fast as it seems how Omicron travels, the best laid plans do change, so that's The prospect for this day anyway, plan B. Right now, though, plan C will be written on the whiteboard at head office. Truly a thankless task to get it right and please all. And as they say, watch this space. With no fans on site, this is about as neutral and fair as NZR, NZR could get too. Whether by fluke or design, a couple of unusual but level playing fields have come to pass. It's 9.06 here on SENZ and Auckland in the uh, cricket competitions this year with slow starters uh, due to uh, unforeseen circumstances, COVID that is. Uh, now they're making up for lost time, playing a Plunkett Shield match tomorrow against uh, Northern Districts. Uh, joining us to chat about the game in particular and how the squad is doing is as assistant coach Ian West, who's uh, a new name for the show. Good morning to you, Ian. Thanks for your time.
4: Yeah, Thanks for having me, Ian.
3: Now, tell us a wee bit about uh, your background, first of all. Um, you uh, are a pretty well-travelled coach, aren't you?
4: Yeah, something like that. Obviously, um, you can tell by my accent from the UK initially, but I've been in New Zealand for probably 11 years now. Um, yeah, pretty much made my way through the Alton system, similar to probably what a player would do. So started off with the under-17s, through to the under-19s and the open Day side. And then this year, first year as assistant coach. But it's been a pretty natural progression just because most of the guys playing in the team have come through that age group system too. So the likes of, I don't know, Glenn Phillips, Will O'Donnell, guys like that, they, they sort of came through a similar sort of pathway to me. So, so, yeah, it's a pretty natural progression coming into this role. And, yeah, just done, done a few different roles overseas. Uh, probably Yorkshire was my last one, which is kind of my home county. Just spent a bit of time there. Um, worked with the, the Samoa team in the sort of the ACC East Asia Pacific region um, a little bit a few years ago, um, but yeah, Auckland's my home now. So yeah, 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 enjoying the joining the new role so far.
3: I guess you look on in that Yorkshire situation, which has become very ugly, and there's been a few casualties of it. Ian so, uh, I hope that uh, they get that sorted out uh, for the right reasons.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You look, a lot of good people there, and. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so it certainly seems like a, an unfortunate situation. I'm a little bit removed from that now. It's probably a few years ago since I was there. But um, yeah, just a lot of good people there. You know, really enjoying my time. They were very welcoming to me uh, when I came over for a short stint from New Zealand. And um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of good people there. A lot of time for the people in that um, in that setup. And you know, certainly wish them all well.
3: Okay, let's look at um, the setup that you're heavily involved in now, which is the Auckland Aces, and uh, for a while there you had to sit back um, prior to Christmas and just watch everyone else go about their business, but now, uh, as I mentioned before, it's almost a cramming situation where you're so busy, I mean, a one day on Tuesday, uh, a four day match beginning tomorrow, and it wasn't that long ago uh, the Super Smash was uh, really uh, hitting its straps, so How are you juggling all the formats from a coaching and a playing point of view?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is pretty much just playing, isn't it, at the moment? We're not doing too much training. We've come into Eden Park this morning just to throw a few balls just so the the batsmen can get ready for tomorrow. But, yeah, yesterday we flew back from Palmerston North, and, yeah, it's pretty... Yeah, pretty full on playing schedule and I suppose it's been one of them years just because of that. Yeah, you know, I think when we've when we've lost a game we've tended to lose two or three in a row and then when we've won on the other side of it we've we've kind of won three or four in a row. So so yeah, hopefully we can get on another another run. Um I think things are yeah, moving so quickly, when it's going well it yeah, it really goes well and when, when it doesn't it you know, it's it's tough to kind of put the brakes on, because um, 'cause we're certainly not coming in and doing any training around it. Um but yeah, it's just part of the fun part of the challenge. But I think from a playing point of view, either way you get a you get a really good opportunity to, you know, move on quite quickly. Um just to the just to your next opportunity. So, yeah, you know, obviously a tough tough one down in Palmy earlier in the week, but we've got a really good chance here at Eden Park tomorrow to um, or over the next 4 days anyway to put in a really good performance and start off our punket shield campaign well.
3: I suppose too, Ian. When you when you look at the points tables, etc., it's almost like you're in a situation because of what happened prior to Christmas that you're you're almost in catch up mode all the time.
4: Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it is. I mean, it's pretty cliche, but yeah, just kind of have to ignore the ignore the um, the points tables and all the formats because yeah, it's yeah, we pretty much come into every competition yeah behind in terms of games played. Um, so, yeah, just kind of looking after what we can look after. And <laughs> I know that's pretty cliche, but, yeah, if we, if we can, if we, this is, you yeah, know, starting fresh in this competition. It's our first game. So, you know, we've got as good a chance as anybody. Um, yeah, it's just put our best foot forward. Um, two four days coming up, and then we go back to the fourth trophy for a week. And then and then I think we've got five four-day games at the back end. So, uh, if we can set, up, set ourselves up nicely in these first two games, um, yeah, it gives us a chance to go on a good run and really, push to try and um, you know, lift the trophy at the back end of the season.
3: Really keen to talk uh, to you about uh, two or three of your uh, high-profile players. Uh, we understand Lockie Ferguson um, has got uh, an Achilles complaint, uh, but a concern about that with uh, the cricket coming up and he being one of our absolutely, absolutely quick bowl options. So I just wonder how serious that might be for Lockie.
4: Uh, no, we're hoping it's not too serious. He's still kind of in the the assessment phase. Uh, yeah, he obviously started the game on um, Tuesday um, down in Palmy and you know it didn't look like there was any complaints. Um, but he then sort of came off as a bit of a precautionary measure. Um, so I don't have too many updates at this stage because he's still in kind of the assessment phase. But certainly the hope is he's not going to miss too much time at this stage. But yeah, we'll kind of let the medical team. Um, sort of work through that, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can provide an update shortly. But fingers crossed, it's not too yeah, it's not too bad.
3: Uh, what about uh, Col Jamieson? Uh, and uh, you know, this time last year, he was uh, like hotter than a hot thing. You know, he was the big ticket in the IPL. Uh, things had panned out beautifully for him at the start of his test career, but it just seems, um, you know, that uh, perhaps it just might have gone off the boil a wee bit. Uh, hasn't put his name forward for the IPL Have you spoken to Kyle much about his game?
4: We um, haven't. He's only just come back into the environment. I think it was really key for him to have some time away. If you think about his schedule over the last eighteen months, um, he's gone pretty quickly from playing domestic cricket for us week in week out to uh, yeah, almost overnight becoming a sort of an international sensation almost in a way. Um, so yeah, and then yeah, pretty a pretty whirlwind sort of a ride for him. Um, and this sort of yeah, just after that Bangladesh test series, I think it's just a really good opportunity for him to get away, um, yeah, 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 spend some time with family, things like that. So he's only just come back into the environment, and and certainly like now feels like he's refreshed and ready to go. Um, so I think you'll you'll see from now, hopefully starting in this next um, four-day game, you know, him really starting to, um, yeah, yeah, push forward and hopefully see that form that you've seen over the last couple of years from him, because um, yeah, he, he certainly seems ready to go after a bit of time away.
3: It can always be, I suppose, just a period of, um, of balance, really. I mean, uh, you know full well how tough this game can be uh, and at the highest level as well. And, and when things fall into place so damn quickly, I mean, history says it has to, it has to get harder at some point. And I, I guess uh, he's going to find that. People are starting to find out more about him as a bowler. Uh, and he's going to have to perhaps just uh, take a bit of time out and reassess a few things himself.
4: Yeah, I think the great thing with with Kyle is he's always looking to get better. So regardless of how well he's doing, he's always looking to get better, and that's with the the bat, ball, and in the field. Um, he was in Palmy with us, even though he wasn't playing. He was working hard on some some technical things to do with his batting, and same with the bowling side. He bowled a few overs out in the middle, and um, so he's always looking to get better. So that's certainly not a not a concern with him. Obviously, there's you know when you when you first come on the scene, um, people don't know too much about you, and you can to put your best foot forward and then people can make adjustments um yeah based on what they've seen but yeah there's there's no issue there from from kyle he's always looking to get better so so yeah i, I think you'll continue you'll see him continue to go from strength to strength i think moving forward because yeah he's certainly pretty motivated and keen to do well for us in this four day game and then get back in that black caps mix for the, for the test series and yeah and, re- and really push on from there
3: okay so let's uh, look at the batting side of things because uh Obviously now with the retirement of Ross Taylor and news coming through, uh, almost confirmed uh, that Kane Williamson won't be part of the Test side either. That leaves a hell of a hole uh, in the New Zealand batting lineup. Um, I don't know. How, I think it's been probably 12, 13 years since uh, we neither had either of them, either of them uh, at our disposal. So um, one bloke who, who comes into the equation here as a possible replacement for either is Glenn Phillips. Now Glenn, of course, tasted Test cricket. At uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground, scored a half century uh, in his first innings. Uh, didn't get many in the second, but um, what do you what have you noticed about Glenn Phillips as a player, and particularly in the red ball game, Ian?
4: Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's a, it's a funny one because we, obviously we haven't had a, a red ball game yet this year. Um, but obviously knowing Glenn pretty well, coming through the age group system and stuff, is yeah, he's he's got a yeah he's got a really good method, and it's a, it's a bit different. Uh, a lot of other people's methods. We were just trying to encourage him, regardless of the format, um, you know, to, to bring his method into the, you know, and sort of you put that into the the, uh, the way we're looking to play. Um, but certainly wanting to express himself, he has no fear, um, and I think that can work. You know, obviously works pretty well in the white ball stuff. But I think I think you was sorry in that brief test match in Australia when he got that opportunity, um, and we've seen it for Auckland before. And if he can bring his method and just sort of you know shift it just a little bit into that four day mode. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot to offer there. Um yeah, 'cause he, yeah, and he's and he's still pretty young as well, Glenn, because he's been around a while, people sort of may see him as, as, you know, being a bit older than he is, but he's still pretty young so he's still got a lot of development to do. And, yeah, we're pretty excited to see what he can offer and in these next two red ball games. And, yeah, there's certainly some opportunities there um, at the high level uh, based on what's happened. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we just want to keep the focus on on what we're doing. And somebody like Glenn, if he puts in a couple of performances, I'm sure he'll be he'll be really on the radar for that high level stuff.
3: Well, uh, you've uh, got a partnership going with uh, Heinrich Milan at the moment. But, of course, that's uh, coming to uh, and end at the end of the season he 's off to to coach Ireland, so uh, that means uh, there's a job opportunity I would imagine for somebody coming from Parnell Cricket Club to the auckland set up for you um It could be a, a meteoric rise would you entertain the thought of of being the head coach of uh, the auckland cricket side?
4: yeah certainly I mean, yeah it's certainly certainly my goal absolutely to um to take over i 'm sort of you know working under higher for a few years now i 've sort of been the the open air coach underneath him as well as as well as my time at Parnell, kind of juggling those two roles and i you know I made it pretty clear to, to Heinrich that I kind of wanted to be the next him so i 've been working pretty closely under under him, trying to kind of you know, you know, pick up a lot from him because he 's a world class coach and we 've been really lucky to be able to yeah, work with him and work underneath him and he 's given me quite a few opportunities over these last few weeks since he knew he 's moving on so i've i kind of, 've led a few of the four trophy games um, ran a few training sessions and and I think yeah, it's, it, this the move into this role for me has been quite natural again because yeah, just kind of I've worked with the majority of these guys through the age group stuff, so um, and then through the A program. Um, so that, that's been yeah, so that's been really cool. So it sort of feels like quite a natural progression. Obviously, not my decision to make, but um, yeah, pretty keen to put my best foot forward. Um, yeah, but I'm sure whatever decision is made will be the best one for Auckland cricket, and I'll be yeah, I'll be keen to be a part of that. Um, if it's me as the head coach, fantastic. If not, yeah, well. We'll certainly look to, to work with the new coach and, um, yeah, try and win some more trophies for Auckland.
3: Well, Ian, it's been uh, great to, to get to know you um, and uh, wish you all the best for that upcoming game against uh, the Northern Brave uh, and uh, for the rest of the season. Sounds like you're going to be very busy anyway, uh, whatever happens, and uh, uh, maybe that uh, head, jo- head coach job uh, will come your way. Good luck uh, in what's coming up. Thank you for your time.
4: Fantastic. Thanks very much for having me, Ian.
3: Yeah, cheers. Uh, Ian West there. He is the assistant coach of the uh, Auckland cricket team, John. And uh, I really do believe that uh, Glenn Phillips is on the or- horizon because of the fact that they've used him before. I think that's a big thing. Uh, we mentioned the fact that he got um, a half century against uh, Australia. It wasn't, a, it wasn't exactly a pure one. He had a bit of luck along the way, um, but uh, he's had a taste of it. He's gone away for a year or two. I think he is a viable option, so 100 tomorrow mm-hmm. or, uh, in this game, or a big score in this game, would push him a long way, but uh, we, got the, we got the bully, uh, to be fair, about Kane Williamson quite some time ago, yep. and it looks like that's come to fruition, and uh, no Williamson, no Taylor, um, for me, uh, that makes South Africa favourites. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, their bowling attack against a pretty fresh-looking New Zealand side. I guess we've still got Will Young and Latham up the top, who have done a great job for us lately. And Devon Conway will probably bat three, we'd imagine, uh, taking that spot with Kane Williamson. And we do trust Devon Conway massively. But the thing that worries me about Phillips, and we just heard it there from Ian West, is that he's kind of got one mode, um, and that's attack. Um, is that what we need against a pace attack and a green pitch at Hagley Oval? I'm just not sure whether Glenn Phillips would be the, the safest option rather than, say, a Daryl Mitchell-Smithy who we've also talked to recently and maybe he'd be a better fit for that five slot with Henry Nichols at four. I don't know, just thinking out loud.
3: OK, uh, well, I, the thing about Mitchell is that um, he is a very mature cricketer. Incidentally, won the Spirit of Cricket, the ICC Spirit of Cricket. Um, for one deed on the cricket field, um, uh, and that was um, just, uh, I'm just recapping, it was the semi-final of the ICC World T20 when he turned down a single. That's all it takes, just turned down a single because he felt like he'd interfered with uh, the bowler who was the fielder at the time uh, and refused to take the single in a tight situation. Of course, New Zealand went on to win that game and and Mitchell was an absolute hero as part of it. Uh, But um, the ICC spirit of cricket and now the fourth New Zealand cricketer, to win the ICC Spirit of Cricket. Um, We're the good boys, aren't we? We're the good guys. Yeah, they love us, the ICC. I think
1: they just see that award and just go, which New Zealander can we give it to this time? But that was an amazing uh, kind of thing that he did um, because the game was on the line, Smithy. You know, it was the last Mm. three overs. We needed 30-odd runs. It was like, bloody run, Daryl! But no, no, he didn't. He won the game and he won this award. So great work.
3: Yep, Okay. well, it's 9.21 here on SENZ, subject for the day. Um, Now it appears it's going to have to be a problem that uh, Gavin Larson and Gary Stead solve. Top five, your top five for New Zealand, assuming that uh, Blundell comes in at six, or does he? Does he bat seven? Um, Play just play four quicks. Do we have an extra batting uh, person in there as insurance uh, now that uh, Williamson and Taylor have gone? Do we make up for those two great players with three players? Let's uh, wait and see on that. But I'd love your opinion. Double eight, double three. what would your top five or six be for that first test against South Africa, which is just days away?
1: It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Uh,
3: 927 here. Uh, Richie has come in and said the Proteas are also going to be without their top batter as well, by the sounds of it. I think Pedersen isn't coming because he has covid Um, and Jared has come in and said, I agree with JD bringing Daryl Mitchell in. Instead of Phillips, a more balanced batsman at home deserves the opportunity. I'm a a Daryl Mitchell fan. I'm an advocate there too with you, uh, JD, on that. I'm I'm not sure he's going to be a prolific specialist test batsman, but I think he's got a definite role um, to play in the side. Um, Perhaps not the bowler that de Grondholm was, but certainly um, a better batsman, I feel. Uh, perhaps a better man for the occasion than de Grondholm was, although he did have a bit of a golden arm, Colin, and I'm not saying his career's over, but he certainly doesn't appear to be in the thinking at the moment. So I, I don't mind Mitchell there, um, and I don't mind uh, Mitchell and Phillips uh, together, uh, perhaps at five and six, if you're going to ask uh, Henry Nichols to bat at four. I'm not sure about Henry Nichols at four. I'm not sure about Henry Nichols at the moment. That's That's what worries me. Um, because we're actually looking for not only we're not only looking for a replacement for Taylor a replacement for uh, Williamson but we're actually looking for consistency too from Nichols which quite frankly hasn't been there
1: Yeah no that's a fair call and I feel like we're always talking about this every summer and then he delivers under pressure um, so maybe on his home ground at Hagley Smithy which he knows extremely well uh, maybe he'll feel like without Taylor and Williamson it is on him and he'll feel that pressure and he'll deliver like he has on several occasions I think. He's got a pretty good record, um, not massively consistent but when the pressure comes on it, it seems like Nichols steps up so Nichols at four, Mitchell at five and Phillips at six. That's, um, asking, that's asking a lot of those guys to replace the runs that Taylor and Williamson normally get so uh, massive pressure on our top three to come through because that's a pretty brittle 4-5-6.
3: Well it is really, and it's all come about because uh, Taylor perhaps retired a little bit sooner than we thought. Um, and uh, I, I would imagine that New Zealand cricket might have tried a bit harder to keep him uh, had they realized that Williamson was, uh, was not going to be available. Um, and, I'm not, I'm not sure. and I felt sure. and I don't really think as I said to Brendan earlier, I, I really don't think it's a, an option to ask Ross Taylor to come back. Um, I, and I, I don't think that's it's a win anyway. Uh, you know selfishly it might be good for. Uh, the test matches against South Africa, but again, here's the guy we're looking for some form, um, and I'm, I'm not quite sure whether he would be in the mental state to approach that series anymore, having basically switched off from that form of the game, or or, or whether we, we could you know whether we could find that motivation to get him back. So I, I really don't think that's an option. I, I seriously don't. So uh, we uh, need those uh, teams to come in. Keep them coming in. You're possible. You might have an outsider an absolute outsider that um, no one's picked that you've been watching through the progress of your particular provincial team I've heard talk of uh, Hamish Rutherford making a comeback uh, that would be an interesting one that he's usually a top-order player and looks like at least we've got those top three places those bases covered but maybe it's nine thirty here on SENZ. time for some news Just, um, rugby uh, fans rugby administrators and players is that uh, they have made a decision at uh, headquarters uh, that the six New Zealand-based Super Rugby teams will be relocating to Queenstown for up to a month, possibly a little bit longer actually, if you take in uh, the pre-season as well, to try and ensure the start of the season goes uninterrupted as the threat of uh, Omicron looms. Joining us now to talk about the logistics of it all is uh, Crusaders CEO Colin Mansbridge. Colin, uh, thank you for your time this morning.
5: More dinner. Smithy, how are you, mate?
3: Oh look, uh, probably um, a lot uh, more at ease with what I have to do every day at the moment than you. But um, this has all happened uh, quite quickly. It tends to change very quickly too, Colin. So at the moment, um, uh, you, you're in the situation where you have to up ship and move and do it pretty quickly.
5: Yeah. So we, you know, we started to look at those numbers that were coming out of the research um a, a week or two ago um which professor michael baker commented on talking about how this curve was going to go and then you've got the government settings around what a close contact is and and um and if you get an infection in your camp and everyone's essentially close contact it became fairly obvious to us that the risk of infection getting into our environments no matter how much we try to control it was going to be pretty uh, pretty high um, you know, if you're going to end up with, say, 20 to 50 percent of the population infected at some period of time over the next couple of months, then, um, then you know, it's likely that we're going to have an environment no matter how good every environment is. So it, it, it happened reasonably quickly and, and the options actually are pretty limited um, and the All Blacks have done it before um, overseas. So that seemed to be the model that got the most... Um, uh, got the most support and of course you've got the situation where it's a bridge rather than, and it's a bridge that's not absolutely certain, there's still the risk of something going wrong but w- w- with this new competition and with a couple of decent teams coming in in Moana Pacifica and, and TG and Drury, you, you don't want to start yeah. you've got to get every chance to start as well as you possibly can
3: Okay, so um, for the man in the street, and that includes me uh, and the woman in the street too, who uh, are interested in uh, why and how come? Uh, why Queenstown? I mean, why why could it not be Christchurch, Wellington? They have rugby grounds, they have uh, a number of hotels, they have training facilities, gymnasiums, etc. Why Queenstown as opposed to a possible another venue?
5: So I think the, the work that was done um, when New Zealand looked to host the uh, rugby championship, I um, think uh, uh, two seasons ago now, wasn't it? And we and then the um, Australians picked up. There's a lot of planning had been done there so there was a plan that was able to be pulled out and dusted off that's the first thing the second thing is that when you go through and you look at hotels that have the ability to isolate the team um or you know have its own uh, own area and limited staff interacting and uh, there's a whole lot of other criteria that um that, that was developed there's less hotels than you would Think so. You, you, know, you might have enough hotels in Christchurch, you might have enough in Auckland, or but actually having them in reasonable proximity and all having the capability to work through the things on the list made Queenstown mm. um, the, the most obvious choice. And then the other thing is proximity you know, it's, you're, you're sort of in reasonable proximity, so you need less training grounds, which means less risk. Um, so, yeah, all those things sort of um, uh, uh, ended up seeing it as Queenstown.
3: I wonder um, how the players uh, have taken to this idea. Have you had much feedback?
5: Um, I, I, I think it's it's probably mixed, Smithy. I think the um, it, 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 most of, a lot of the players want to play the competition. There's no doubt about that. They're passionate about their teams and they want to be playing the game. The challenge is if you're an all black and you've been you've done some isolation and MIQ on the way back in, and you know we're still uncertain about borders going into this year, um, you, you know you probably approach it with a little bit of trepidation naturally. Um, this is a little bit different. There's a couple of really good um, escape valves on this one. The first one is that you don't have to go through MIQ to get out. So if, if you're in a um, if you're not well or you're you've got something at home or there's um, or that doesn't just work, Then, or, or, and same as anybody in their normal work day, you can easily exit the environment and go back to your home and your family. But that's the first thing. So, And then the other thing is it's, it's reasonably closed end. So, you know, the decision's been made that we want to do the, the period till that third round and then come back into the environments and uh, and accept that there is some risk um, that, that it's not fully, you know, the rules haven't changed and the virus, virus isn't where it, we're expected to be after three weeks. But at least we've then got three rounds of the competition where New Zealand teams have competed all that time. So so it's closed end, there is an escape valve, um, and there probably will be some transition arrangements because if we've got clean environments carrying on in, in, in each of our HQs, and you're testing people daily, and those things, you might still be able to transition somebody into an environment if if you need to. So, um, mm. so it's about risk of elimination or, or risk reduction. We're probably not going to be able to completely eliminate it, but I think um, the players, when they see the, the escape valves, and they see how important this competition is, and how you know it's really important to get it off to a great start. I think on balance, the, the most of them are going, yeah, they, they get this. And, you know, and there's varying levels of excitement. You know, for some, it's um, it's a really exciting opportunity for um, for others, yeah, natural trepidation about, um, you know, periods isolated from families. Uh,
3: I, I just also um, wonder if, if the worst comes to the worst uh, and someone does uh, within the bubble, uh, within the group, um, test positive for COVID, uh, what is that? Uh, if it's an individual, how does that impact the, the group? Does it mean a total lockdown? Does it mean defaulting games? Or does is there a contingency in there somehow?
5: Yeah, so the, the, the worst case scenario is, and it sort of depends a little bit on timing and and when infection arrives and how it was... And we've had um, some public health advice in one of our environments, in one of the super environments, where they came in and they sort of examined what the environment was like and gave feedback to the club about you know what would constitute a close contact and what would not. So you know, naturally, uh, uh, commonsensically, you would say if you're going to be um, scrummaging and tackling and, and you know, for large periods of time, then, then you're in immediate close contact. If you happen to have gone through a period where your backs are doing something and it's um, you know, physically distanced and, um, and well-managed and, and it was unit work where there was no interaction with others, then and and there was gaps you know days' gaps in between and that might change it might change how the public health um, authorities would respond so but but the worst case scenario is you're all in the gym at the same time or even if you're going for a gym and and um, and then you're training the next day and then you get an infection and then suddenly that team's out of the that team's out so um So so we've done, there is a little bit of work being done across Australia and New Zealand around around what that might look from a competition perspective, but I think at least if we've got everybody uh, in close proximity um, and we've got, you know, doctors um, in each of the environments there as well, we've probably got a better chance of managing it, but it's not foolproof. I think we all know that the worst case scenario is we end up with three infections across three environments uh, on day one and... And, you know, that would be very bad luck. Um, But we've got to give ourselves every chance of getting this competition away in the first three rounds away. And we've got to give Moana Pacifica in particular, um, but also Fiji Drua, a chance to participate in this comp. Because if we don't, you sort of feel a bit guilty that we haven't done everything possible within our power to make this thing work.
3: Colin, you uh, know uh, full well just how big some of these squads can be in terms of your playing strength. Uh, and your depth uh, and, of course, uh, your backup staff, your medical staff, coaching, etc. cetera, uh, will you be re- relocating or will, will franchises be re- relocating the whole shooting box or will you be trimming?
5: No, there's a little bit of uh, selection going on. Um, so uh, we're making sure, like in terms of playing group, it'll be contracted players and, and uh, you know, some ability to transition in and out of um, replacements and all black returnees and those things. Uh, injury replacements. In terms of the um, management group, um, we did a bit of a check-in with the other environments the other day, and and they're all making sacrifices. So, you know, it might be a couple of S&C, but maybe one physio or one physio, and uh, two physios and one S&C. And then, um, you know, commercial staff will try and share resource that way. Um, But yeah, uh, there will be some sort of trimming of the management group. There will be people left in each of our environments.
3: Uh, the other thing, of course, is uh, you, you're heavily involved in this side of it. You've got to make uh, you've got to make it pay. I mean, you've got to make it uh, financially viable. I mean, you're going to take a hit because your stadium, uh, Orange Terry Stadium, is not going to have be in use and not going to have any crowds. But uh, who, who's taking the hit for this? I mean, it, it, again, I mean, on the back of uh, what's been happening, where you've had to already make it uh, take hits, it must be starting to get a bit tough.
5: Um, <laughs> starting with the the statement. I think the the, the, the thing about this is uh, um if it works and we're very confident but not absolutely confident but if it works we know we're going to broadcast games and that's really really important um in terms of um you know funding uh players um and funding you know new zealand rugby coffers that's really really important and uh, and that's really and so that's why you know they've invested a bit of cost in in getting us uh, into this bubble in Queenstown. For the clubs themselves, most of us are going to be a little bit challenged. Um, In fact, this is probably the least preferred option because if you could play a game in Orange Theory and you could manage a crowd size and it was a little bit smaller, um, you'd get some revenue. It's not going to be enough to offset cost, but you might be able to generate some revenue. Um, but the, the the challenge is you go to queenstown and, and there's nothing, yeah, there 's nothing there 's nothing for the clubs and the clubs therefore mm. are essentially canceling their first three or four rounds the The, the benefit though is that we 've got a competition that 's likely to have integrity um, and and you know people can still see it um, we we'll, 're a bit gutted that our fans can 't see it live um, so th- that 's more important to us've we 've we've, we've all talked about. Um, our boards and all the CEOs have talked at length about it's a waste of time being solvent and um, and having a club if there's no competition. So you've got to make sure the competition goes ahead first.
3: Well, Colin, uh, don't envy you, you your job one iota. It's fair to say, uh, <laughs> or any of your any of your colleagues, your counterparts, uh, must be. Wake up today and think uh, what the hell's going to happen, what I'm going to have to change today. I I really do feel for you, um, but I hope it works out. I really do. I hope we get that rugby that you want, that uh, New Zealand needs, and uh, good luck in uh, your planning. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Millie. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Colin Manisbridge there, who's the CEO um, of the Crusaders. And, yeah, uh, I had several questions to ask, and we're simply just running out of time. What about Australia? What about the possible there if the borders open up? Uh, And are they, uh, as the Canterbury rugby uh, Crusaders, except they're having any say in the proposed new stadium, which is um, <clears throat> an interesting topic down there, we understand, for um, scenic purposes as much as anything else. It's 9.45 here on SCNZ.
2: Cancer Society Longest Day Golf Challenge is on now. Register at longestday.org.nz.
3: It's Mornings
1: with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, Ken has come in and said, Smithy, how about this? Latham, Young, Conway, Henry Cooper, Henry Nichols, Blundell, and uh, he's backing that up by saying that to Henry Cooper uh, is a very good first-class average. Henry Cooper, son of Barry Cooper. And you won't find a nicer guy that's ever played the game than Barry Cooper. Uh, so, yeah, uh, possibility. I think there's room for a bolter. I think we've got to find something out. So uh, maybe Henry Cooper's uh, on their plan. Uh, but certainly it's probably one of the toughest selections that uh, the Black Cap selectors have had to undergo they've, because normally they've got the squad full of riches and you just pick one out of that. But now they have to go searching, um, and there's not a lot of cricket being played for them to pick from particularly long form of the game at the moment. So all eyes on that game tomorrow between Auckland and uh, Northern Districts, and um, both Henry Cooper uh, and, of course, uh, Glenn Phillips will be playing in that match all going well. Uh, Mark has come in and said there will be Stags fans at the Super Games. They'll be along the back fences outside of the grounds. But they'll be making noise. You can imagine truckloads of them, can't you? The old sheep trucks in the old days. And um, you just uh, <laughs> clean them out and uh, make room for them. John, uh, hundreds. Uh, you're still at 100, aren't you? 100 people. There is a 100 people in the stadium um, total. Uh, can they do pockets at Invercargill? Can they do pockets um, at Queenstown of support? Corporate... Uh, back up their corporate sponsors, etc.
1: Can that be done? From what I understood, Smithy, was that there was going to be no fans whatsoever. Right. Uh, no, zero risk. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, while it's great for Rugby Park and Invercargill to have, what, two games, Friday night and Saturday night, I don't think they're allowed any fans whatsoever. What about commentary, Smithy? Are, are you going to be standing on the sideline, or what's the
3: story there? Well, my understanding is, um, you know, that uh, we'll, we'll be sending commentary teams down there. They, they probably will. Um, be lucky enough, well, I don't know if they have to bubble in Queenstown or whether they can bubble uh, to do a commentary team, perhaps in Queenstown and a commentary team uh, in Invercargill. I've yet to hear, John, so they'll be working at Sky through the logistics of, of all that kind of thing. I imagine they'll base a lot of it out of a studio in Auckland because that's very clean and a long way from it. Uh, but certainly at game time, they might call games out off tube and just send one or two reporters uh, to those games to alleviate any risk. So, um, still just like uh, the rugby itself Up in the air 9.53 here Multi before 10
1: Behind the stumps To behind the mic You're in safe hands It's Mornings with Ian Smith On ECNZ You got to know When
0: to hold Know when to fold
2: Smithy's Smithies Multi Know when to walk away and Know when to run
6: Bet live on your favourite sports Download the TAB app today
3: well, we're still alive from yesterday. Uh, the Raptors did beat Miami Heat, and uh, the Wanderers beat Perth Glory last night. Uh, so that was a one 0 result for a buck eighty. So we're alive. Well, this afternoon we need the USA to beat Honduras at a buck fourteen, and Canada to beat El Salvador. So that'll uh, represent a five dollar ninety-five uh, return if that comes to fruition. Today's one: uh, Boston Celtics to beat uh, Charlotte. That's a dollar forty-three. And the Lakers, although they uh, they're not going to have uh, LeBron James, it's a bit of a risky one. This to beat Portland at a buck fifty six, you might want to leave that one out, but I'll keep it in. Uh, Mexico, of course, this afternoon are uh, playing Panama, um, and that uh, is uh, in a World Cup qualifier. They're at a dollar They should win that. Uh, and Australian women to beat the England uh, women this afternoon. Uh, fifty over cricket uh, underway there, so it's at a buck thirty seven. It's uh, for a return of three dollars ninety one. So, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, we can get to, uh, what are we, six and seven? We might get to uh, eight and seven by uh, the end of uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Ricardo Ball after the break. Of course, uh, Ricardo is our football guru. Uh, He's a host of Extra Time, and uh, he's got uh, a lot of knowledge. So we have to talk, don't we, about the ramifications of the all-whites not being able to play Uzbekistan. Uh, Danny Hay running out of options and running out of time, really, to get things ready. So, uh, what is the update there? Uh, and of course, uh, the EPL we're we looking now, and World Cup qualifiers around the world. Any major surprises? Who's looking like missing out? Uh, that's interesting too. So, Ricardo, after the break. In the meantime, here's Karen. It's 10 o'clock.
2: Register at longestday.org.nz.
3: This
1: is mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
3: It is uh, 10.03, very shortly, Ricardo Ball, and uh, he's got uh, an interesting shirt on today. We'll ask him a a wee bit about that. But, uh, John, that's the breaking news theme. Uh, You've got something coming through the wire? I do, Smithy. The White Ferns ICC
1: Women's Cricket World Cup squad has just been announced. So this is uh, seconds old, so I'll read it out for you so everyone knows who will be representing New Zealand at our Home World Cup in just a month's time. Susie Devine will be the captain. Amy Satterthwaite will be the vice-captain. Oh, Sophie Devine, not Susie, sorry. Sophie Devine will be the captain. Amy Satterthwaite will be the vice-captain. Then Susie Bates from the Otago Sparks. Lauren Down from the Auckland Hearts. Maddie Green from the Wellington Blaze. Brooke Halliday from Northern District's Women. Hayley Jensen from the Otago Sparks, Fran Jonas from the Auckland Hearts, Jess Kerr from Wellington Blaze, Merely Kerr from the Wellington Blaze, Frankie Mackay from the Canterbury Magicians, Rosemary Meir from Central Hines, Katie Martin, the Otago Sparks, Hannah Rowe, Central Hines, and Leah Tahuhu from the Canterbury Magicians. So that is your squad, Smithy, for the World Cup in a month's time.
3: Well, initially that is very, very experienced and there's not a name in there that I haven't heard of or raises my eyebrow because uh, I think that's very predictable. But we will have uh, someone out of that squad, uh, hopefully just after 11 o'clock this morning. So we look forward to that exciting time for those girls playing a World Cup at home, albeit without uh, too many crowds. Uh, Look, honestly, it's time for football now and it's time for Ricardo Ball and I'm not quite sure why you've worn a green and white shirt. Is it because Celtic are leading Rangers 3-0 as we speak? I mean, what is it with you and, and just backing winners?
7: <laughs> Mate, uh, Celtic haven't been winners the last couple of seasons, have they? Uh, no, no. I, um, Smithy, my mum's family's Italian. My dad's family's Irish. Do you think I really had a choice as to who I supported come Scottish football other than the left-footers?
3: No, that's true. Yeah. Absolutely true, and I understand that. And. it? It looks mighty fine on you to be fair i suppose that uh begs the question why you haven't got a celtic tattoo on your other calf? but uh, that's <laughs> for another day because we have very important news to get through uh and of course uh it's it's odd sort of news really the all right all rights game has uh, been called off we're not that's not unusual but uh what is uh, as a result of that of course danny hayes uh, not got an opportunity your last opportunity to formalize things so what about the impact of that uh, Uzbekistani game being called
7: off? Yeah, I think it's um, far from ideal for Danny Hay. Uh, you know, there was things that he was wanting to try. He had obviously put this squad together with a, uh, with an eye on March, uh, given there were some players that he knew he wasn't going to be able to have, particularly for the first, possibly second game of uh, the World Cup qualifiers because of the way they sit outside the window. And, uh, you know, I think he really wanted to have a look at Bill Loma as a, as a right-back option because uh, as I think the last time I mentioned uh, I was on with you, we talked about right-back being a, a position that the All-Whites probably haven't really fully cemented yet. Um, so, yeah, far from ideal for Danny and, uh, you know, that kind of leaves his planning a little bit up in the air. I mean, uh, at the moment I was talking to Jacob Spoonley from the PFA uh, the other day and he said he knows Danny's very much in, uh, you know, fostering relationship mode at the moment with some of the clubs, particularly in the A-League and and elsewhere, uh, to try and sort of buy some favours to get some players released a bit earlier. Um, So I think this has certainly thrown a a dampener on that for
3: him. Well, with uh, the Phoenix uh, down uh, towards uh, the foot end of the table and things not uh, going so well for them of late, would that free up any of those players, particularly in the early part of the squad when some of those European ones won't be available is that is that now a possibility?
7: Yeah I think so, I think so, uh, I mean the way it works, they don't have to name a hard fast 23 for the whole tournament which uh, works in our favour, they can submit a list of 40 or 50 players and then each match day it's up to you to name a 20 or 23 whatever it happens to be, uh, so that means that they can rotate that and so I think what you will see is that Danny might have that chat with uh, with David Dome, for example, and say, look, you know, I might want uh, Fenton, I might want Payne, I might want um, Clayton Lewis, uh, maybe Alex Rufa, maybe a Ben Wayne. Um, I, I, I want these guys, but I'm not going to have them for the whole time. Can you give them to me for the first week and then you can have them back? And then by that time, the European players are available and you can bring those guys in. So I think there's going to have to be a bit of juggling. It's certainly not going to make Life easy for him in terms of continuity and getting a team to gel, but I, you know, it's a needs must situation, and I think that's basically how it's going to look.
3: Right. So, what spots for you are still very much
7: um, in the melting pot, so to speak? Well, I think a replacement for Chris Wood is the big one. You know, that is how do you replace a Premier League striker um, in your number nine Mm. jersey? I think that's very tough. Uh, so that's got to be the biggest call and uh, what are his options there? Um, it, it might have to be, he might have to manufacture something he might have you know how Liverpool played Robert, Roberto Firmino in the nine role in the traditional striker role, Smithy, but he doesn't really play that way, he kind of plays a bit inverted and then the wingers overlap and it's the Salars and the and the Mane's that, that end up at the top of the pitch and you know, he may have to look at doing something slightly different um, to be able to make that work. So I think what he does in the Chris Wood position is uh, is going to be vital. Also, from a creativity point of view, you know we rely heavily on Sarpreet Singh. Um, chances are we won't have Sapreet for the first two games. Uh, so, what does he do there? Uh, who's who's going to be the creativity in midfield? Where is that going to come from? Um, so yeah, I think those are the two big ones. I think you know the fact that the MLS is, uh, you know, they're they're in their off season now. Um, so Bill Tuiloma, Michael Boxel, a few of those will be available. So defensively, I think we'll probably be okay. Uh, but it's further up the park that I think is a, is probably a worry for Danny.
3: Okay, um, there's a few Kiwis uh, on the move during the January transfer window. Kakachi, uh, we've uh, heard about during the week to Syria. What great news for him! Uh, Joe Bell to uh, the Danish uh, Superliga League champions,
7: uh, Bronby FC. Uh, and Joe Bell's becoming quite a desirable option, isn't he? Yeah, very desirable option. I mean, you know, uh, Viking ha- have turned down a, a couple of bids for him previously. In the last transfer window, they turned down apparently a million pounds from Barnsley in the English Championship uh, for him. So that was interesting. They've held on. Uh, they haven't, it hasn't been announced. It's one of those undisclosed payments, so you don't know exactly how much he's gone for. Uh, but I had a Danish journalist on last night uh, on the World of Football talking about it, and he believes it's somewhere in the region of €2 million. Euro. Is is what uh, they've uh, paid for Joe Bell. So um, I think it's a, it's a great move. I mean Brombu are a team, Smithy that have you know they produced Peter Schmeichel. They produced the Laudrup brothers. They are a, they're, they're one of the great teams in Denmark. They were the champions last year, as you said, and this year they've played in the Europa League. They were in the group stages of the Europa League. They played against Rangers in that group. Uh, so that's a big club and he's replacing a, a local player that has come through their academy that they've sold on to Genoa in the Serie A because the thing with Scandinavia, particularly Denmark and Sweden, is it's really is a shop window for the rest of Europe at the moment and that's why we've got so many Kiwis going there. Um, so Joe will go straight into the team and he can play as the 6 uh, a holding guy but he offers the guy he's replacing he offers a bit more than that guy he can he can play 8 he can score goals he can get a bit uh, a bit further forward so you know uh, according to our Danish friend last night he goes straight into the team he'll be a guaranteed starter and he also believes that Bromby have bought him not just to replace this guy but because they see value in him he's only 22 they think they can get a couple of years out of him in that shop window then they will be able to shop him to a bigger league
3: Interesting, so uh, we'll keep our f- uh, finger on the pulse of that because it's really exciting news for Joe Bell. He's going to be the beneficiary uh, of all these, those moves uh, along the way. Uh, let's stay overseas uh, for the moment, uh, Ricardo. and not great news coming out of uh, the Manchester United camp with uh, Mason Greenwood in all sorts of trouble, I think.
7: Yeah, uh, I, I would say it's early doors, but I would say Mason Greenwood's career is over. Uh, you know, he's only 21, but that's the way it looks. And, you know, uh, fair, uh, fair enough, too, because you can't do what he's done. I don't know if you've heard the audio or seen the pictures, Smithy, but it is ugly. It's ugly. If you don't know what we're talking about, Mason Greenwood's girlfriend had uh, posted pictures of herself after he'd basically beaten her up, shown bruises, a split lip, a blood nose, um, blood streaming from her face down her chin, and then released audio of him basically telling her to do what he wants in the bedroom, if you like, and kind of slapping her around. Um, it's pretty ugly. He's been arrested and charged. Oh, I don't know if he's been... He's been arrested and charged with rape, and he's also uh, with assault. He's also been secondarily arrested and charged with threatening to kill and sexual assault. Um, he's now out on bail... Oh. Uh, but I see that if you go to the Manchester United online store and try and buy a Mason Greenwood shirt, it comes up as, uh, you, they can't, you can't find anything under this name. Uh, he's suspended from the club. He can't play for them. He can't turn up and train. Nike, uh, who he also has a deal with, they have uh, taken down his image off all of their platforms as well. And I believe Cadbury, who have got some deal with English football and he's involved there somewhere, have done likewise. So, yeah, it doesn't look good. And, and, you know, he's got to wear this because it's disgusting behaviour. From a purely football point of view, it's a pity because he's such a great footballer, but being a great footballer doesn't allow you to be a scumbag and get away with it.
3: No, it doesn't, and uh, not only his football career looks like it's doomed, uh, life in general is uh, not looking too flash for one Mason Greenwood, so uh, that'll be in the headlines for Uh, Weeks and months to come at various stages, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the football goes on, thank God, down the bottom, uh, it's uh, a real hot battle in terms of the relegation. Uh, Norwich are clear at the moment, Newcastle, Watford, Burnley, close behind with games
7: in hand. Yeah, it's an interesting one, I I mean I think you look at the the business that Newcastle have done and you know there's a couple of guys uh, Guamarez that they signed from Leon. looks a very good player but he needs, if he settles I think they'll be good um, and obviously the goals of Chris Wood, Kieran Trippier on the right, they've they've brought in on loan Matt Target who was the left back at Aston Villa who's just been replaced at Villa by Lucas Digne from uh, the Everton uh, the Everton player, former Everton player. Um, they have done, they've strengthened really well. The one place they probably would like to have got someone is another creative midfield option. They tried to get Jesse Lingard uh, that didn't happen from Manchester. United, uh, but I think Newcastle probably under Eddie Howe should have enough now to get out of that. I, I worry about what Watford will do um, with Roy Hodgson. I mean, Roy is a, a bit of a firefighter, but uh, he generally needs a little bit of time to put his ideas across, and, and it's one thing that Watford don't have is a lot of time. And I see Burnley have uh, replaced six foot three Chris Wood with a six foot six. Dutch striker, a uh, big who was playing at Wolfsburg, and uh, expect there to be lots of aerial battles when when uh, Burnley play that. It'll be the old chuck it in the mixer, son, and see what happens. Um, I, and I, you know, I think Burnley probably have come up short in this window. I think they would have liked a bit more. I think they will struggle. Uh, ultimately, I think Norwich will get pulled back in. Potentially Everton too under Fat Frank. Uh, Frank, I, I, don't, I don't think he's a great appointment for Everton. Um, you know, Chelsea's big problem when he was there was they were conceding too many goals. Everton's problem under Rafa was they're conceding too many goals. So I don't see how Frank fit, uh, fixes that. And for a team that's got a pretty good midfield, he added two more midfielders but didn't add a goal scorer, didn't add anything at the back. So I think Everton could get pulled into it as well.
3: Right, uh, let's look at um, uh, the top of it. Um, Manchester City, uh, now uh, nine clear of Liverpool, so uh, the gap's perhaps not uh, being bridged quickly enough at the moment. Only one game at the weekend, but it is, just uh, listen to what you talked about there, very important.
7: Uh, Burnley-Watford. Yeah, Burnley-Watford game, uh, that's a massive game for both clubs. Uh, Burnley have got a lot of games in hand, I think, because they've missed so many. I think they've got about up to four games in hand on teams above them. Uh, It's... If it's a must win for anyone, it's really a must win for Watford but given how many games in hand Burnley have got. But I think both teams need to win this and it's going to be interesting to see how, how much of an impact Roy Hodgson's been able to have in a short period of time. Uh, I would, Given that this, I think, is a turf more, I would I would plump for Burnley to get the win here. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty. It'll probably be 1-0. Uh, and it'll be off somebody's head or backside or something, but uh, I think that's kind of the way it'll go. And, uh, yeah, you're right, sweetie, just the one game this weekend because it's FA Cup fourth round, so everyone else is involved uh, in FA Cup matches.
3: It's hard to really show a lot of uh, enthusiasm and support for a side that has not won a game, Uh, but I look at the Women's Phoenix uh, side, and when you look at uh, how they've started, the late notice they got, uh, the late access to players, etc., you know, they've actually played not a not too bad a brand of football and, um, you know, if anything, they're squandering opportunities um, that a lot of people thought perhaps they wouldn't have. So how do you sum it up thus far, Ricardo?
7: I think they're ahead of the curve, to be honest, and I know that seems a funny thing to say for a team that's got one point, uh, but I look at their last three performances, they were 2-1 up against Brisbane. Uh, who were a team in the in the playoff places and they end up giving up two late goals so they need to learn how to close games out they, they panicked a bit then they played Adelaide who were fourth they lost 1-0 to a late goal there uh, it was a tight game, they had chances and then their last game against Perth they should have won that game they really should have they were 2-1 up, six minutes left and they end up losing 3-2 those are frustrations um, but I talked to Natalie Lawrence the assistant coach yesterday she said that you know it's stuff that's fixable it's stuff they're working on it's really about them... When you're in those situations, not thinking that you're a centre-back, not thinking you're a full-back, it's about holding your position in the box and not following the ball and doing your job and yeah. keeping your head. And that, and that's what they're working on at the moment. I don't think they're too far away. I think uh, they've got a run of five games uh, coming up that I think it's really likely they're going to get points out of. I think they'll, they'll probably get one or two wins and, and they might pick up a draw as well in this, this next run of five games. And I don't think it's too far away. And I think it's probably better than what we could have expected.
3: I agree, totally agree, and uh, uh they're not getting hammered um, on a weekly basis, and that would have been bad news. Ricardo, thank you very much uh for your time this morning. uh look forward to your your input again uh this time next week and uh, your shows throughout the the next uh, six or seven days. Cheers, man Cheers buddy. Thank you uh Ricardo Borlea with his uh, take on uh, things happening in the football world um and uh, John initially uh those selection that you read out. There is one glaring omission that has just come to fruition. And uh, uh, when you're listening for names and you hear so many prominent ones, you sort of tend to miss things from time to time. But two texts initially have come in, no Lee Kasparovic, no Lee yeah. Um And uh, John has come in and said uh, Lee Kasparovic has been the shockwave omission, world-class experience, leading wicket-taker in domestic and international cricket. Uh, can you get Bob Carter on for an ex- explanation of this omission? Kasper, um leading wicket-taker and super-smath with 20 wickets and leading mm-hmm. run-scorer. Uh, this, it says John, is unbelievable. Well, I don't quite know who uh, we're getting access to, but uh, we shall try and bring that up. If we get a player, I, w- I would imagine they won't be in a position to qualify or talk about the selection. But having said that, uh, that is the first talking point to come out of the White Fern squad for the World Cup. Panel next here on SENZ.
2: The Society Longest Day Golf Challenge is on now. Register at longestday.org.nz. It's
3: Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is 10.25 here on SENZ, and our panel very, very strong and opinionated this morning. We've got Jim Kays, we've got Sam Ackerman, Uh, with us. uh, Jimmy, uh, good morning to you and Super Rugby (laughs) Queenstown, I'm calling it at the moment, uh, with a touch of Invercargill thrown in. Is this something you saw on the radar and how do you see it working?
8: Yeah, good morning guys. Uh, Look, I guess it's been flagged for a little while now. Um, You know, if you put aside the the fact that Auckland's the epicentre of COVID, uh, it would have made more sense to have had the competition based in Auckland because you've got two teams here already and Three big uh, big stadiums, but you know I guess they didn 't want to you know roll the dice on on that. Uh, it does seem a pity that we are down there. It seems a pity that we're going to be playing games just in two locations and without fans, but you know it 's the reality of life at the moment isn 't it and uh, if we can get this competition underway and people can at least get to watch it on on sky, uh, then that is a positive, but it's certainly going to be different to what we we're hoping for and different to what most people are used to. And, and But, you know, as I say, we've just got to keep rolling with it, Smithy, don't we?
3: Oh, we do. Uh, we do, Jim. Uh, there's no doubt about that. If we're, and because I, I guess one of the... Jim, you'd uh, be uh, across this as well. Uh, one of the main uh, prerequisites, of so, of course, is um, providing rugby for Sky TV, isn't it? it, it's, it, it, it yep. In the essence, financially... <coughs>
8: Yep, there's a really big um, financial burden there for, for New Zealand Rugby because they've sold the rights to Sky and they need to provide the product. They need to provide the content. Um, so you, know, you know, they have to get this competition underway. They have to get games underway. Um, and, and this is the solution that they've come up with. Um, I guess the only sort of wriggle in this whole thing is that if one person uh, tests positive for COVID-19, then the whole squad's ruled out, which is a little bit of a pity uh, hopefully we get to a point where if one person tests positive that person is isolated and everyone else can have a test and get on with it uh, which seems to make a lot more sense to me than, than ruling out a whole team just because one te- one person has tested positive
3: well, Sam uh, we've seen this uh, across in Australia of course uh, with the whole NRL being basically shifted to Queensland, the Gold Coast etc so nothing new to you, league guys, it'll be interesting to see how rugby adapts to it
0: Yeah, and I should point out that uh, I think that it's a a necessary move because I think fans will be disappointed not to be able to go uh, see these teams. It's such a shame that we don't get to see uh, the the new teams have a a big debut in front of a a full house. All that would have been beautiful and amazing. But for the the, the real fact of the matter is most people will be experiencing Super Rugby through TV this year and any other year. That's how it works. So to make sure that... Uh, hits the largest audience possible is uh, to me would would be a priority, uh, and it's great that it's going ahead. And they are being kept in separate hotels, is a little bit different than how the NRL was with obviously trying to cram 16 teams into some of these regions. You know, you are literally sharing uh, breakfast tables and spaces with with opposition teams, and allowed for a different sense of camaraderie uh, and to, uh, uh, to break things up. So the biggest problem these players are going to have. Is the monotony now? Jim uh, knows very yes. well about being away for a month as a touring rugby team, but usually in that scenario there's change you're going from place to place and suddenly there's a new thing or you do a new publicity thing it's like oh let's go check out the coliseum this week or uh, let's go do whatever it is when you go on those tours when you're that level of, of player but both in the same place same room same roomies it's going to get uh they're going to need to find a way to fight the boredom because the boredom is when uh we've found out that athletes make bad decisions so um let's hope that it goes all right it's only a month uh which i think again is a good call for uh the the mental well-being for everybody involved uh, but I'm, I'm personally just glad they're going to get some footy underway.
3: Jimmy, uh, I, I totally understand uh, where Sam's coming from uh, in that regard. But having said that, um, they're fully paid professionals. And I, I don't think as a man in the street at some stage wouldn't say that there are aspects of his job that he felt a little bit tedious, a little bit boring. So, um, And we're only looking at this stage, aren't we? A maximum, I'm calculating with pre-season, a maximum of five to six weeks?
8: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. And, and, look, I think that you're you're on the money for the bulk of the squad. If you were an All Black, uh, you'd be thinking, when do I ever get to spend some decent time at home? Uh, because, obviously, they had all of last year as well. But I think what needs to have happened for a lot of these guys is just that significant mindset. Uh, you know, for a lot of us, we've had to do that in terms of working from home uh, where, you know, we don't get to go out and, and, and mix with our colleagues in the way that we used to it. And for a lot of people, that means sparking off them and getting ideas from them and being motivated by being around like-minded people. Uh, the flip side of that for these rugby players is that they have to uh, get into the mindset where they're away from home a lot uh, and in these bubbles a lot. And it's, I guess it's just a different side of a coin uh, to what a lot of other people have had to endure for the last couple of years. So, yeah, look, I have a little bit of sympathy for the situation that they're in. Uh, I certainly agree with Sam that that monotony and boredom will be a a huge factor but as you say Smitty, they're professional athletes Uh, most of them are extremely well paid Uh, they're not exactly going to be living in abject poverty while they're doing this Uh, so really they just need to get on with it and play some decent decent rugby
3: Absolutely Uh, Fellas, uh, we're going to take a news break please stay with us. Uh, A number of issues to get through after that. Uh, In the meantime, here's Karen with the latest that to me, yeah. yeah It's 10.33 here at the moment on SENZ. We have got Jimmy Kays and Sam Ackerman uh, with us, Sam, uh, across uh, the rugby league side of things. Uh, a rule change, Sam, in the NRL. Tell us a wee bit about it and what you make of it.
0: Well, the NRL has a rule that they're not allowed to take the same set of rules into consecutive seasons. Uh, so something has to change every time, otherwise, otherwise refere- referees might know uh, exactly what's going on at all times. We can't allow that. Um, but look, fortunately, there will be three or four rule changes during the season just to make sure the referees really never have any concept of uh, what's up and what's down. But this rule change is uh, in fairness. Is a reasonably sensible one and not a major one. So we know uh, by now about the uh, six again restart penalties. So rather than blowing a penalty for every small infringement, they now just say this restarting the tackle count, keep going, to allow for more, more flow of the game. Well, the teams are taking a bit of advantage of that and then really pinning teams down and their 40 prepared to give away resets early in the tackle counts to allow them to get dominant and allow their line to be set and get away with a bit. Uh, so they've found a, a new way to it. If you now infringe with a team uh, in their 40-metre zone, in their own 40-metre, it is now a proper penalty where you can kick to touch and make ground and then be the one calling the shot. So It makes sense to me. Um, so that's the major change, and I've, I've made a few changes around uh, the interchange as well as far as the, uh, used to be able to, if a player's put on report, make a free interchange. They've taken that now straight to um, to head injuries and send bin send-offs rather than uh, anything too extreme, and, and the referees now have a bit more discretion on stopping the the game uh they're in charge rather than trainers saying this guy's hurt his leg you need to stop the game it is now only head injuries where a trainer can say you've got to stop this this guy's got a head injury so all designed to make the game flow a little bit better uh and uh hopefully the referees can um can take uh, the game by the scruff of the neck rather than get out get out of hand
3: uh jimmy case uh is uh, with us again uh, this morning and uh Daryl Mitchell, the Spirit of Cricket. Now, I think this is the fourth uh, black cap that has won the Spirit of Cricket. So, um, <clears throat> good guys, aren't we? We're lovely. We're a lovely bunch, Jimmy. we certainly are. And I mean,
8: this sort of, I guess, reflects the massive image makeover that's gone on in New Zealand cricket in the last what were a smithy, ten years. I think it sort of it started under uh, Brendan McCullum, and it's just it's just continued through. And it, they certainly are. Uh, lauded around the world as the nice guys of, of cricket. And, and they've been able to, as we all know, uh, match that with success. You know, they're, they're the, the Test World Champions. They've done very well. Oh, they should have won the one there. Uh, and very well in the T20 as well. So I guess it does show that uh, nice guys can come first. And it's a nice contrast, I always think, to uh, to, to our Aussie mates. And it's, it's interesting. Smitty, uh it was only just the other day that I think it was – 20, it was twenty years since the Underarm uh, delivery. You were there for that, weren't mm. you? It uh, you
3: is just, a little you, bit. You longer just than got that, out, didn't Jimmy. A bit, bit more than twenty. I, I wish it. I wish it was twenty, <laughs> Jimmy. I wish it was twenty. Uh, Try forty-one. Was it? Was oh it forty? Oh <laughs> there we go. Did <laughs> you get? Did
8: you get out oh, to, to? Wasn't it you getting out that brought Brian McKitney to the crease?
3: Yeah. Anyway, change of name for um, the Washington <laughs> football team. Uh, Sam, uh, Um, uh, we're going to be known as uh, our fans uh, of the Washington football team are now supporting the Commanders. What do you make of it?
0: Well, clearly it wasn't going to stay the Redskins, and a comment I read online is that that they've used the military as deodorant, but it still stinks, Um, and it's now, uh, by taking on something with a a military style to it, the the patriotism in the States makes it hard to criticise or to to bash too loudly, and I, I get the feeling there's no... Right answer um, for, for this. I don't think anyone is going to go, great, cool. I mean, how many re- team renamings have we ever come across in sport? We go, do you know what? That was, that was really the right move. Um, so, I'm a bit damned if you do, there was some talk among fans, could we just stay called the, the Washington Football Team? That'd be great, rather than having a, a moniker that doesn't really mean anything to us. But I think Commanders is, uh, is fine. I think that it, um, it's above the station of what the team is capable of achieving at the moment. But uh, if they can live up to that name, then, uh, then sure. So I think fans will, will wear it. If they can get the results, if they don't, it'll become uh, one of those names where, uh, uh, like the Warriors where people will take the mickey out of the name when things aren't going well.
3: Yeah, but Sam, if you're the Chancellor of the Exchequer, think about all that uh, promotional uh, memorabilia income you're about to cost.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, yeah. There's, there's plenty, there's plenty to do with it in the in the military and, and in DC. I mean, you know, it's it's like they're asking the Pentagon to sponsor them.
3: <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, it does beg. a belief, some of the, the alternatives, but we've seen it um, with the Crusaders. Uh, to a certain extent, Jimmy, we saw that there was a bit of a, a groundswell for the change there, and the names changed, but the branding has sort of stayed. Uh, stayed the the names changed, stayed the same, but the branding and and the method why yeah. has almost changed around it.
8: Yeah, that's right. It has, and and you know that's good. I think uh, there's been an acknowledgement that the that the the whole imagery did create some issues for some people, particularly in the wake of that awful massacre in uh, in Christchurch. Uh, So it's good that they responded to things there. And look, you know, they're all made up names. Um, I remember doing an interview on the now defunct radio sport with uh, the bloke who who came up with all of the names, and it was completely and utterly random. Um, They wanted to call the Blues, uh, I think it was the Marco, and somebody said, oh, we've never seen a shark in Auckland Harbour. Um, So they disbanded that one. And, you know, you've got the Blues and the Reds, which are pretty inventive names, so I guess we need, from a marketing perspective, to, to have these, these catchy names that go with teams, but doesn't mean much for, for a lot of people.
3: I'll tell you what does mean much, though, Jimmy. Life without Kane Williamson, uh, that means a bit. Yes,
8: it does, doesn't it? Are you worried about this? This elbow injury seems to have been around Kane for a very long time now, Smithy. Uh, and when you couple into that uh, Ross Taylor's retirement, it does take a fair chunk out of that, the, the top of the, the Black Cat's batting order, doesn't it? And um, you know, more, more so longer term, you, I, just, I just worry that this is something that he's going to have with him for a long time to come. What, what, what do you think? Is it something that he'll get over? Uh, you know, uh, what, What's the deal with this elbow injury? Well,
3: well it's an interesting thing uh, with Kane Williamson, of course, uh, and I don't want to cast aspersions on to him at all, but he's a very high-priced commodity in the IPL. And at the end of the day he 's a professional sportsman, and he 's got a big fat check waiting for him around there. having said that i 'd like to go a bit more injury specific here because Jim i can 't think of too many sports where uh, their top player uh, in their field and i 'm talking about one of the top in the world but uh, would 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 go along with an injury of this significance without some sort of statement about surgery or long term um, Fixing of the problem, Jimmy. I, I can't imagine a, a really, really high profile All Black having an issue that just drifted along and uh, he came and went as as the injury sort of came and went with him. Yeah, uh, it,
8: it, it is shrouded, seems to be, in, in secrecy. Um, you know, and, and even when I read uh, Stead's comments about it, you know, you don't take a lot from there. He says, I hope we can get to a stage where it'll be like that. This is pain-free, but there's no guarantee. Um, the other thing is, and, and I don't know, you, you know, you played, I'm sure, with a lot of broken fingers as a wicketkeeper, how much pain uh, Kane is prepared to play with. We certainly know there's some famous stories of athletes of, of all persuasions in New Zealand and around the world who have just put up with an injury and played through the pain for a lot of their career. Um, I, I don't know whether he's prepared to do that. As you say, the IPL is a big paycheck and maybe... Uh, that's a factor, but you know, maybe he's going to get to a point where he says, well, look, I'm just going to have to put up with this and just play through the pain.
3: Uh, Sam, just before, um, we, we talked about the Washington football team, but we, can't, um, we cannot ignore the fact that um, maybe the GOAT um, retired yesterday uh, as either GOAT, in your mind, and uh, the NRL, Tom Brady. Um, you know, that is significant. That's right up there with LeBron retiring, Tiger Woods retiring. I think if you're an American sports fan.
0: Yeah, I think so. Listen, I I, I, it's not, I, um, I don't sit here pretending to be uh, an American football um, die-hard and expert. So I'm not going to say that it, that I've watched uh, every game and can analyse them. But for everything I've ever seen of American football, and knowing his achievements and what he's done to the age that he is, and yeah, he, he is in a position where he can play, a bit of, a little bit in a in a dinner suit and and not he's not in the uh, the physical uh, grunt of it at all points, but when you've got those behemoths trying to catch you every time, you need to be sharp on and on your toes. What he's achieved is uh, phenomenal, and I think he will be remembered, um, certainly of uh, of his era, if not of uh, of all time, as, as the, the greatest quarterback that played and arguably the greatest to uh, to lace up the, uh, the boots. Of course, there's been a little controversy along the way, and he hasn't always been super popular, but as we find out, as you go on and you reach these records and hit these accolades, suddenly everybody forgets all about that, like when, when Kobe retired everybody loved him, but half of the time when he was playing people were sick of him and thought he was a ball hog and thought he only cared about his own numbers but uh, when he retired, I'm not talking of course posthumously here, but as his retirement came, people suddenly forgot all that and I think it's the same with Brady, they can acknowledge his greatness now
3: uh, Jimmy, just uh, very quickly uh, pressure on New Zealand rugby now, super rugby or picky, a year of women's rugby a year of women's sport uh, now they've, uh, they've got to come up with something here don't they?
8: Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, they absolutely do because, as you say, big year for women's rugby with the World Cup here in New Zealand. Uh, that'll be really, really, really interesting what they do there. Uh, I don't think they will move them to Queenstown, um, but they're going to have to sort that out, and it starts not long after the, the men's competition. Um, only four teams in a, in a much shorter season, so I just wonder, Smithy, whether they don't, uh, look to delay it, postpone it, and just say, "Well, we'll we'll move it back a month, maybe, and and hope that this Omicron thing is blowing through by then." Uh, that would seem to be the logical thing to do, uh, and and also you might even get to play in front of some some fans then as well. So it is a very short competition. So yeah, if if I was a betting man, I'd I'd put money on them delaying it. Uh, certainly, cancelling it would would not be palatable. I don't think.
3: Okay. Uh, thanks very much, fellas, uh, Jim Kays and Sam Ackerman very valuable members of our panel. We'll have another one tomorrow morning at the same time. 10.44 here on SENZ.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
3: Yes, we've been talking about Queenstown being uh, the host venue for uh, much of uh, Super Rugby as it kicks off shortly. Uh, but it's also the venue for uh, some uh, one-day international women's cricket matches, and they're between the White Ferns And India, they'll be played at the John Davies Oval. Uh, And that'll interest uh, these 15 names because they are uh, now officially uh, our representatives for the White Ferns in the Women's Cricket World Cup beginning in early March. Uh, Divine, Satterthwaite, Bates, Down, Green, Halliday, Jensen, Jonas, the Kerr sisters, uh, Mackay, Mair, Martin, Rowe and Tahuhu. So that is the team that was uh, named uh, less than uh, 40 minutes ago and uh, confirmed. And the big uh, omission is uh, Lee Kasparuk. We understand. We hope to get uh, someone out of that camp uh, just after 11 o'clock for some reaction. Uh, And also news uh, coming through overnight. Very sad news for harness racing people in particular. uh, The passing of Roy Purden. The passing of Roy Roy Purden overnight. Uh, Not good uh, at all. Uh, but what a legend uh, he has been in the harness racing industry. Actually, the whole Purden family and, of course, uh, yeah, the patriarch, uh, Roy Purden. So we shall uh, get some feedback on that uh, tomorrow in particular with Mick and our harness racing slot. Uh, more racing to come before midday. It is is ten 10.51 uh, here at the moment on SENZ.
9: The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere. Anytime. Anytime.
2: The Cancer Society Longest Day Golf Challenge is on now. Register at longestday.org.nz. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
6: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan.
3: Uh, Time to uh, check in uh, with Louis Herman-Rott. Courtesy of Love racing.co.nz uh, and uh, Louie we're heading towards uh, a big meeting at uh, Taranaki over the weekend what news have you got for us today?
9: Um, oh I didn't actually come prepared with too much today Smitty. I was just going to say I, I got a call this morning from a listener Tim on for breakfast and Tim mentioned that uh, he followed Field of Gold yesterday after we kind of painted the picture yeah. about no speed in the race and leading up so that's always good to get the people paid I was on Seamus, and it wasn't a terrible run, but the perfect pink was huge um, coming from the back of the field. Um, So it's always good when you can lead the listeners. And and, and actually, I love that even more, because Tim just used his own – he heard what we said, and then he used his own logic and um, made the bet, which is great. But you're right, this weekend is the – there's a couple of nice races at New Plymouth. There's the Powerworks Taranaki Cup, and um, there's some good horses going around, actually – the mayor's back from Australia. And we've got Hypnos, the Mitigator, Sheriff, all in the market. I'm Buzz, Bodes Well. Johnny Wheeler has got Bodes Well, and that's taken some cash already. Our Hail Mary, if Alan Sharrock and Kosey Asano can get Our Hail Mary out of the gates. Um, Barrier, uh, 8, 54 kgs on her back. She won really well. I think it was at Awapuni last start. So, uh, uh, um, Our Hail Mary could be pretty tough to roll. But yeah, it's a nice day at New Plymouth. And down South Smithy, we got We can't forget about our brethren down in the deep south. Wingatui, that's where we've got uh, Group 3 racing. White Robe Lodge, the Group 3, $100,000, wait for age, over the mile. And Hassebro has been hounded in the market, opened at 5 for Andrew Carston with Jake Larry doing the riding, into 3.5 in little more than 12 hours. Actually, it wouldn't even be 12 hours. Hasseborough five dollars into three fifty down there in the White Robe Lodge, so that's where the money's going. I'm sure the TAB will be able to tell you more.
3: Okay, well let's get across to, to the TAB right now. And uh, uh, waiting for us there is uh, Pip Morris and uh, Pip. Uh, well, uh, what have you got as your big ticket items today?
6: Well, we've got Cambridge Raceway to look forward to. Smithy twelve race program there to start us off with the Greyhounds. Winton Harness kicks in at around 2 p.m. And then we've got Alexandra Park to look forward to in the evening with Addington Greyhound. $5,000 guaranteed first fours across all of the races there at Addington and a pick six to look forward to out of Alexandra Park. Uh, quite keen on one at Cambridge as well today, race number four, the one girl, and I think she's over the odds at $8.50. And on the sports side of things, uh, Smithy, of course, we do have the uh, Saudi International kicking off when you can have as a golf bonus back so you can back into an outright market there and if your player doesn't win but finishes in the top 10, you can get a bonus bet back up to $50 to check the TNCs out for that and of course Dunstan Johnston is the market's favourite at around $8 and he's been the easily most backed.
3: And he is due. He is due a, a victory too. Uh, Pip, Morris, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Busy day for the Greyhounds, obviously. Uh, going to be a busy next hour for us. We're going to talk to Amy Satterthwaite, uh, vice captain of uh, the White Ferns team, just announced for the World Cup, and John Day and I will also discuss uh, probably just after 11:30 uh, revamp of the NPC. John Day and I uh, just uh, received an email. Uh, we'll look at the new format, which uh, includes equal opportunities for a lot of teams to be the outright champion. Uh, great, something new every year. It's with Ian Smith on ECNZ. It is 11.03 here on SENZ and uh, what a year for women's sport it is in this country in terms of hosting great events Uh, and uh, the first one of course is the Women's Cricket World Cup which is just on our doorstep really, it's uh, a month away literally today, Uh, begins uh, on March the 3rd so what an exciting time and you really get excited about it too when you hear about the finalising of uh, squads and the actual names that are going to represent us and that is just Uh, come to fruition also uh, just after 10 o'clock with the White Ferns being named and confirmed for the upcoming event. So uh, really pleased, really, really pleased that uh, Amy Satterthwaite has uh, made herself available to talk to us about that. Uh, Good morning to you, Amy. Uh, Really, after all this time, all this speculation, great to have those names uh, down on paper. Uh, It must be a real feeling of excitement in the camp.
10: Good morning, and yeah, it certainly is a, a real excitement. I think we've been talking about this World Cup for a long time now. Obviously, with it being delayed 12 months, that sort of build up to it has been extended, and uh, it's pretty crazy in a way to feel like it's it's right on our doorstep now. And you know, hearing the, the names read out this morning and, and getting officially announced, it, it makes it all feel really real, and, and certainly adds that real buzz and excitement around it. And we can't wait to get going.
3: This, uh, of course, is World Cups are not new to you. Um, you've been around the scene for a long time, but playing one at home, all of a sudden, is.
10: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know. I was hearing this morning they're talking about it being a fourth World Cup for a couple of us, and it certainly makes you feel old and like you've been around a while. But I think on one hand, you can really try and utilise that experience to our advantage and, and help out those that either for them it's their first World Cup and they've got that excitement of it, or. And like you say, then there's the, the, the added side of it that we're playing at home and it's something that none of us have done and that's all going to be new for us. And I think you know, to have that opportunity uh, to play in familiar conditions, it, it probably doesn't get much better than that, to be honest.
3: Well, at least just talk about uh, what you've been doing of late. Of course, we, we know full well you've, all of you have been playing uh, in the Super Smash, uh, but you've been in camp recently. Tell us a wee bit about that.
10: Yeah, we spent a little bit of time together the last few days, which was a little bit different. We're normally in camp, um, you know, training our cricket skills and um, trying to perfect that leading into the World Cup. But we had no bats and balls with us this time, which I think some of the girls probably struggled with. But um, it was a nice opportunity to get together as a group and, and almost just talk through a variety of different things. Some of it related to the cricket. Um, and on-field stuff and some of it related to the off-field and the likes of COVID and what we can control and playing at home in a home World Cup and the the extra pressure that that brings and and just almost acknowledging all of that, um, being able to to voice it and air it and and sort of work through it. And it was a really nice opportunity to get together as a a group and probably something we don't do very often, but it sort of makes you feel like now we can head into the the India Series and then obviously the Cricket World Cup, um, having covered off a lot of those things and can sort of hit the ground running.
3: Yeah, uh, team building, I, I guess it is, but uh, I guess one of the other good things looking through this squad is, by and large, uh, you know each other pretty damn well, uh, and there's not a lot of um, of new names there, if any, to be fair.
10: Yeah, exactly, I think it's probably the strength of where we've been at in the last sort of couple of years, is we have grown as a squad and um, started to get quite stable as a squad, which is nice, uh, I think, we, like you say, there's been a lot of familiarity with each other, and get along really well as a group which is I think on one hand a fantastic thing when you're going to be spending a lot of time together in each other's pockets over the next couple of months but uh, I think we've also created a bit more depth in our squad and that's created a real competition for places and I certainly wouldn't have wanted to be Bob and the selectors trying to pick the side I think um, it's been a really nice thing in a way to have a bit of a headache as to you know who's going to be named in that 15. And now that it's it's picked, it's um, awesome just to be able to go right. This is the group that we've got, and you know we're ready to then take on the world.
3: Well, you've taken on uh, England and England uh, not that long ago. Uh, of course, um, uh, Australia uh, is always a regular um, uh, opponent, uh, and now India, of course, the, these games at John Davies uh, Oval in Queenstown. Loom as extra special with extra significance because I genuinely believe, uh, along with uh, three or four other teams, India are a real chance. So you get to gauge yourself against the, a, a good lineup.
10: Yeah, absolutely. They've been a, a bit of a powerhouse of late and, and really started to to grow their sort of depth, I guess. And they've seen some exciting young talent come through alongside some players that have been around for a long time and got a, a wealth of experience, and the likes of Natali Raj and. And Drew and and I think it's sort of no better opportunity to test ourselves against them and really see where we're at as a group. I think we're coming off our home summer and, and off cricket which often can put us in our sort of best place possible and we've had people informed so you can't gonna kind of ask for much more than that and at the end of the day it's gonna come down to if we can perform, you know, on the day in these games and, and like you say, having the opportunity to play play India after having played, you know, two other quality sides in Australia and England, we can't ask for much better preparation than that.
3: Uh, Amy, uh, obviously you're one of the older hands in the most politest uh, way. I can, I can probably say that you've been around a long time because your stats uh, back that up. Uh, you're sitting on 133 games uh, of one down to cricket, Susie Bates, 130. Um, all going well. Uh, you will be going past Sarah McGlashan uh, of 134, so you will be the most capped. I mean... The significance of that for you
10: yeah it's probably something i haven't thought about too much i I didn't realize i was sort of that close until it got brought up um in our recent tour and and it makes you probably sit back and and think about your career to date and i guess the journey that you've been on and, and how you've grown as a player across that time and and the experiences and opportunities that you've had and I certainly know that the women's game's grown from strength to strength in, in the time that I've been playing, and it forces you as a player to really look at your game and ensure that, that you develop it and, and grow you know, with that um, development, and, and if not, try and keep ahead of it, and um, I think that's probably something that's kept me in the game to a certain extent is you're wanting to always push yourself to be better, and um, yeah, it's an exciting time to, to be involved with it, but um, you're yeah, looking forward to... To another World Cup and the opportunity to, to share that experience with this group
3: of players. Of course, the last time we hosted it was uh, 2000, and we won it. Uh, I don't think we were at all favourites to win it at that point either. Um, You're possibly going uh, slight underdogs here, but um, there, I guess, uh, is um, I I, so, I guess something that you can use as a, as a tool, really. Um, you know, the, the, the historical side of it.
10: Yeah, I think we take a lot of sort of motivation and inspiration out of the way that that group played in 2000 and I was fortunate enough to be there and, and watch that final unfold and it's certainly we've talked about it recently for a number of us, that was a point in our sort of lives I guess which made us wanting to be a white fern and, and wanting to I guess take our cricket as far as we could. So to think that we've got the opportunity to do that in our home backyard and, and hopefully inspire young Boys and girls to either take up cricket or, or stay in the game it 's a pretty cool opportunity that doesn 't come around um, too often, but yeah, I certainly think the way that we 've probably played in the last couple of years has um, been disappointing in terms of the results, and we can 't hide away from that and um, you know deny that we, we probably will go in um, as sort of underdogs a little bit in this tournament and i don 't necessarily think that 's a bad thing. you can um, sort of slide under the radar a little bit uh, and hopefully use it to our advantage, like you say I think. On paper, we've certainly got some of the best cricketers in the world and if we can bring it together as a a group and and all perform when we need to, then I certainly think we can challenge the best teams.
3: said before, I believe there's uh, four or five teams that can win this, uh, all going well. Uh, Clearly, Australia would be starting as favourites, although England have looked uh, uh, pretty good. As you say, India have played some really good cricket lately. Uh, Yourselves uh, in that bracket, the West Indies and South Africa perhaps, potentially, the uh, opportunity to cause upsets along the way. So uh, there's not many games here that, you know, you look at a World Cup normally and you think, well, that's a lay-down Mazzia, that's a given, they'll win that. That. I mean, there's potential for a lot of upsets and a lot of really interesting uh, matchups here, isn't
10: there? Yeah, I agree. I think we've seen that in the last couple of World Cups. There's been some upsets that people wouldn't have picked going into it. um, and, And I don't think you could really call any of the teams really those sort of minnows or yeah those teams that you think are going to be easy beats and it was probably a little bit of a learning curve for for me personally even just in that last world cup in 2017 the the format got changed historically it's been more of a round robin style um, but that format was you play everyone once and it meant that you had to beat every team or you know close to every team um, to make those semi-finals and then obviously to be the, the winner and I think ultimately it's a, an awesome format, um, in terms of if you you are successful in that then you, you have you know, beaten every team to be a world champion, but um it creates a a different challenge and like you say, there's no sort of easy games along the way, you're gonna to have to make sure that you're ready to go and, and turn up and perform in, in seven games, um, just to make sure that you can even make the semi final. So that's yeah, it's a nice and a, um challenge, a different challenge and I think you know, it's only a good thing that we've got more and more teams competing and, and going into a tournament that people are saying you know they could be the winners, and um, it's going to just create more competitive cricket. And I think in a World Cup, um, you know, whenever it's a World Cup, the teams always turn up and just lift another level, and um, you know that's all you can ask for, and, and creates a, a really exciting uh, tournament.
3: Amy, i look down that side and uh, knowing and, and following uh, the White Ferns uh, as I have in the last couple of years in particular, there's a lot of experience there. Uh, let's not, there's no names really that uh, I don't know and cricket lovers perhaps uh, don't know either, but uh, there is a, a little bit of youth in there and I talk about Fran Jonas uh, who uh, was, wasn't uh, born last time New Zealand won the World Cup uh, and uh, Mealy Kerr who was only, well, I think two months old, so... Uh, here's a couple of young players uh, who we're going to look to, uh, particularly in the spin bowling side of things, there'll be a lot of pressure on these young girls.
10: Yeah, I think it's exciting to bring a bit of youth into your squad and it gives a nice balance to the team and at times a little bit of perspective and, and some real energy. And um, Those two that you've mentioned there have been outstanding performers on the domestic scene and, and mealy's obviously been around for a while now and performed extremely well at the international scene as well. And, I think they're two people that have got some really calm, cool heads um on them for especially their ages and um it's sort of something to be admired really and I think that'll put them in a good place for for what, you know, is an international scene and, and added pressure that comes with that. But you know, the the people that are around them I think are, are really important in terms of the support that we give and just encouraging everyone, whoever it is, to remember their strengths and what they are and, and that's the reason that they've been picked and um just to keep going to that when they're performing on the field. We can't go and find new things now and that applies to anyone that's, that's here and um, we encourage the youngsters to do the same. I think, like you said, in the spin department they're going to be really important um, as the tournament goes on and the, the pitches and conditions potentially change a little bit as well. Um, you know, It might bring them into the game a little bit more and we've seen, seen in the women's game that spin can be really important so I'm sure they'll have a huge role to play.
3: Excited. Genuinely excited uh, from your point of view, I, I know with Leah as well, um, under the same roof preparing for this uh, magic time in the family, uh, not to mention just <laughs> yourself. And, and uh, she's knocking on the door too of uh, a, a record too. She has a good World Cup. Uh, she could become New Zealand's highest uh, one-day international wicket taker. So with her, with the wicket, she with uh, the appearances and, and potentially the runs as well, um, as a family, so special.
10: Yeah, it is really special. I think um, obviously with the announcement this morning and our daughter Grace as well, being able to be there, it's it's a different time for us than what we've had in the past. And uh, I think you know, a nice time in the sense that you know, it's a different perspective, I guess, and um, probably helps with that balance of being able to go home and you know spend time with our daughter, and um, she sort of brings you back down to earth a little bit, regardless of how your performance of performances have gone, both individually and as a team, and. Um, yeah, I think that's probably helped our cricket, if anything, and it's nice to be able to share that as a family, and it's certainly something special and unique that not everyone gets to be able to do. So we feel very fortunate in that sense and um, just excited about what lies ahead. I think the last World Cup that I played, I, I didn't know if it would be my last, and when you then hear that there's one at home, it, it's certainly a carrot that um, probably kept you in the game and, and you certainly wanted to be a part of. And to think then that from a Canterbury point of view... Um, not biased at all, but to think that the final could be at Hagley and what I consider one of the best grounds in the world. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't come around very often and you're sort of pinching yourself that you've got this in front of you and these awesome opportunities to be a part of.
3: Yep, well let's hope uh, that you're playing in it, that Hagley, uh, not sitting on the bank watching it uh, as you were 20 years ago. So um, Amy, uh, congratulations first of all on your selection um, and uh, all the best for the preparation against uh, India. I can't wait for it to start. I've been waiting for it myself for a long time, and I know the value and the enjoyment of playing in a World Cup at home. Whilst there's pressure, um, there's a lot of things that you love and familiar around you, so enjoy it. Please do, uh, and good luck. Eh? Thanks for your time.
10: Will do. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. Looking forward to
3: it. Yeah, cheers. Uh, yeah. All the best, uh, Amy Satterthwaite there, Vice-Captain. Uh, for the White Ferns, John, and um, obviously very considered. A uh, very considered player and uh, obviously very experienced as well. And along with Susie Bates, uh, Sophie Devine, Amelia Kerr, who uh, I think you'd put the, the bracket as the, the big three or four. Gee, have they found some form of late.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Satterthwaite scored an amazing ton recently. Uh, I think it was in the 20-over stuff. Um, and it was great to mm. see her back in form. Susie Bates, we know, has been scoring runs for fun. Amelia Kerr taking wickets. Uh, for fun as well, so that's all at domestic level, Uh, we just want to see them all take it to the next level, Smithy, and consistently, like Amy mentioned there, uh, there's no easy games, you can't have a great game one day and a bad game the next, so I'm sure that was all talked about on their little camp that they had in Akaroa over the last few days, just sorting out Mm -hmm. those things, no bats, no balls, just talking, Uh, and I think that might be a good thing for this team, Smithy.
3: And I, I, I thought, I looked at Akaroa and I thought, I wonder if they practice their French cricket. And that's just me trying to be funny. It's 11.18 here on SENZ.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, let's not forget uh, Sump Smithy coming up in uh, around about seven minutes' time where you've got $150 uh, worth of TAB vouchers up for grabs as well as those uh, fantastic sleep drops. So uh, we'll be asking for calls very shortly on that. But you could also win 5000 Yeah, $5,000. bucks. you have got to want to win that, surely. Uh, all you've got to do is register for the Reese super Rugby Fan of the Year competition now at SENZ Stroke Fan of the Year. Register by the 17th of February to secure your spot. Each round entrance need only to pick one super rugby team they believe will win from the six games being played in that round. Lose, you're out of the competition. Win, win. You stay in the competition. So simply put, tip one team that you think will win their game within that round. If your team loses, you're out, if you win, you remain in the running for the epic $5,000 cash prize. That's thanks to our good mates at Reese, uh, Just go to that uh, website there, S-E-N-Z stroke, Fan of the Year. Uh, that is uh, an exciting uh, competition Uh John, uh, we've had uh, a bitter reaction to that team. Couldn't really ask uh, Amy Satterthwaite about um, you know, the omission of Lee Kasperich, but uh, we didn't have to really. We've had uh, plenty of other people coming in uh, saying things about it, including John, uh, Lee Kasparit, 26 one-day internationals for 42 wickets. Best of six for 46 versus Australia. Uh, ICC ranking number 15, which leads all leads all other New Zealand bowlers, Took 20 wickets in just uh, the finished Super Smash. That's first for men and women, by the way, across Super Smash uh, competitions. Amy Satterthwaite saying, Good to get some youth into the squad to push older ones. You can't beat experience, yet Kasparitz is only 28. Uh, the omission just doesn't add up. So, general reaction there, John in particular, with a couple of texts this morning. Uh, When you look at those numbers, uh, it's an interesting one. certainly is. When you put her up against Fran Jonas, who's just
1: 17, has played two one-day internationals, didn't take a wicket, and they're right about Kasperik's stats. I'm just on Crick Info at the moment, and she's got 65 wickets at an average of 19.5 and an economy of 3.98 in one-day international cricket. Now, Smithy, I know uh, and you know, when you play one-day international cricket, if you've got an average under 20 and an economy rate under 4, I mean that's from a bygone era. You don't see those like since Hadley and that sort of stuff. I mean those are, those are amazing figures. So it is a huge call, and I would have had to, uh, hated to uh, make that phone call if I was Bob Carter calling up Lee Casparick and being like, "You're not in the team," and she asked why. I mean I'm not sure whether I'd have too many answers, Smithy. I'm sure Bob had some. So. Yeah, that's definitely the one that um, people are scratching their heads at. Why no Lee Kasperick? But great for friend Jonas, uh, seventeen-year-old playing in a home World Cup. That's pretty cool.
3: I'm just trying to think if you went across to uh, the Black Caps, what would be the equivalent of of leaving a bowler out of the World Cup with uh, those kind of numbers and those kind of recent form? That uh, I, I, I'm not sure if there there is one really. I mean. Um, who who are we talking ab- about in that regard? Are we, are we talking about leaving out perhaps Mitchell Santner? Uh, are we talking and perhaps uh, leaving out? Oh God, gosh, I don't, I, it's hard to equate really when you look at those numbers. So uh, yeah, she'll be feeling desperately unlucky, Lee Casperick, and obviously she's got a, a fan club that will be too. And I would imagine her teammates who have played a lot of those one-day internationals with her and know her value to the team. Uh, some of them will be scratching their heads as well. So, uh, yep, uh, every time you pick a team, there are those that are happy and those that are sad. You only have to uh, look at the case of, uh, is it Peter Hudson, uh, the skier, uh, who, John, uh, has quite a high world ranking by uh, previous New Zealand skiers um, and has had an appeal for non-selection turned down. And that in itself uh, was an interesting one too, because um, when people qualify and do not get picked, Um, That just uh, is something else to add to the equation.
1: That's definitely an issue for high performance sport New Zealand because we're seeing athletes not dealing with that very well. Pura Hudson came out on her Instagram in a massive lengthy post about what she'd been through, uh, didn't make the Winter Olympics four years ago even though she had also met the qualifying mark. Uh, injuries which spent years off the mountain and then getting back and making the qualifying mark only to be told by a selector we're not sending you to the Winter Olympics and that must be crushing for high performance athletes and it's, it's something we've heard in other sports. Sports as well for Summer Olympics as well just how you can meet the mark you can put your life towards this and then you go to the selectors and they don't send you because they don't think you can reach what are their marks they top 16 they want you to reach when you go to the Olympics and send you somewhere and to tell you uh, that you're not good enough to do that when your times or your stats or your, what you've done says that I am I am good enough because I've met the standard how do you continue on and how do you keep the faith in your sports-governing body that you're trying to compete for uh, with your country. It must be absolutely crushing. So it's definitely an issue that's going to be be brought up with.
3: And it's also, you know, do you have a a participant in these events on the world stage? Uh, Even if they don't get a medal, they're there representing you. Um, And, you know, this is a very rare opportunity. And if you have qualified, uh, why can't you uh, be included in that uh, squad? Why can't we have a squad of 16 as opposed to 15 and have a, res- uh, a representative on the skis. It's baffling, it is baffling, and as you say, the fallout from it uh, is also potentially uh, quite dangerous as well. So uh, let's, let's just uh, hope uh, that, that things are cool in that camp, and uh, she takes it on the chin, but it's a real setback uh, for Pierre Hudson. Right, uh, let's get on to uh, more positive news, and that is, yeah, stump smithy time. It is uh, 11.30 here on SCNZ 0800 150 smackaroos uh, and some sleep drops up for grabs. Get on the lines, folks. Get on the line. It's...
6: Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith
8: really is top class at his job.
3: It's a big one today. I'm not sure whether this has happened before. Smithy, has it 150 bucks up for grabs? Nah, I want to make it 200 too. I'm destined. I'm I'm (laughs) desperate here to make it 200, so... Whoever you've got lined up this morning, I don't care what part of New Zealand they come from, there will be no sympathy.
1: Oh, you've never got any sympathy for Cantab, Smithy. I know because the Crusaders are playing your Hurricanes as well in week one of Super Rugby. And that's where Scott is calling from. You've made it through. Caller number one, Scott, well done.
3: Yeah, thank you. Hopefully I can carry some form into this and knock uh, Smithy off.
1: Yes, yes, he's had a bloody good week, uh, as you would know, from the 150 bucks being jackpotted today from the TAB, as well as some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. So, Scott, I will unveil your sporting categories for today. Netball, golf, rugby union. Which one of those gives you the best chance?
3: I'm going to go golf, I think. Golf, play a bit. Uh, yeah, casually.
1: Nice, yeah. a hacker. Member
3: at, uh, temple Templeton GC.
1: Oh, so not that much of a hacker. A member, very nice. Well, hopefully yeah. your sport, your golf knowledge, comes through for you today. Let's go. Good. Right, Scott. Question number one about golf. There have been four PGA tournaments so far this year. Name one of the four winners so far. Uh,
3: Hideki Matsuyama. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, solid start, Scott. Smithy, would you have known? Yeah, I knew Hadecki he'd, he'd had won one. I think Hudson swafford um, might have won one as well. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, uh, it's been. Yeah, I think I'd have got it. I think I'd have got that. No yep. problem.
1: Absolutely. Luke List and Cameron Smith. Not that Cameron Smith. Uh, the other Cameron Smith, the golfer. Yep. All right, Scotty. We'll That putt was probably a two-footer, you'd say, and you nailed it into the cup, so question number two. A bit tougher. This is probably a ten-footer. The New Zealand Golf Open has been on hold for the past two years, and there hasn't been a Kiwi winner since 2017. Who was that man?
3: Oh, I'm going to go... smile.
6: One of the worst things
1: I have ever seen... Done on a cricket field. You've lipped out, Smithy. A chance for a stumping. Who was the last New Zealander to win the New Zealand Golf Open back in 2017?
3: Right, I think uh, I, I think I saw a picture of this fellow celebrating in conjunction with the article about it being knocked on the head uh, again this year. I'm gonna go Michael Hendry. Just a couple of chips down get right in the slot,
1: and away it goes. Ah, oh, Smithy's done it again. You have been stumped, Scott. Unlucky, mate.
3: Hey, no worries. Cheers for that. Thanks for the option. Yeah,
1: too easy for Smithy. Well done, mate. Another stumping. So, one question for 150 bucks from the TAB and some sleep drops, and it's over to you, Barry from Palmerston North. How are you feeling? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good?
5: <laughs> yeah. I you the first
1: two questions, but uh, we'll see how we go on this one. Oh, nice, nice. So you, you've got a little bit of confidence. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. Smitty's pretty good, though. Oh, he's bloody good. He's bloody good. Stumped a lot of people. All right, mate. This question. For the 150 bucks from the TAB and the Sleep Drops, Lydia Ko has won 17 LPGA Tour events in her whole career. How much prize money to the nearest million in US dollars has Ko collected over her career so far? Hmm. No. Oh. Okay. I don't
5: know if this one. Um, I, I see the tournament she won last week had a two million
3: prize pool. Uh so going on say an average
5: of a two million prize pool, which is one seventeen, correct? Yep. Yeah. Uh, that two million goes you know, to
1: all the golfers, though. Remember, Barry, not
2: just the oh, winner. Oh,
5: yeah, oh, yeah not I'm just, I'm thinking she'd get six hundred fouls. Uh, look, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go eight. $8 million.
6: Dollars. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: So, if Smithy mm, gets this mm, wrong, you mm. still get the 150 bucks from the TAB, but you don't get the sleep drop. So, Smithy, to the nearest million in US dollars, how much has Lydia Coe won over her career?
3: Oh, the nearest million. This makes me nervous. Um, Look, like much as I, I like uh, you, Barry. Um, and uh, being a former, former palmy guy myself much as I like to send the money down to you I'm going to take a stab here I think I've seen the number 13 million thrown around John Oh, Oh, we are jackpotting again,
1: Barry. You have also been stumped. She has won $12.668 million, which rounded up to the nearest million is 13. Ian Smith, you've done it again.
3: Yeah, well done, (laughs) Smith. Barry, you get on that line tomorrow morning, boy. Get on the line tomorrow morning at 11.30. Give it a go, son. Uh, Thanks, 200 bucks up, up for grabs. Cheers, man. 200 bucks going in uh, to the mixing pot for tomorrow, plus the sleep drops. $200. That's uh, our biggest jackpot ever. So, wow, looking forward to that. Um, enjoying the show, says Chris. Did Afghanistan beat England in the under-19 cricket yesterday? No, they didn't. They choked at the end, and England got up and won them. Uh, do I remember playing ND at Morrinsville in a hot, dry summer many moons ago? Yes, I do, Chris. I'm not quite sure the end result, but uh, always enjoyed playing uh, those games uh, against Northern Districts, the country cousins. Uh, so uh, hopefully uh, that's answered your question. And I can tell you this morning that India have uh, convincingly beaten Australia in the other semi-final. So the World Cup on under-19 cricket will be between England and India. It is 11.38 here on SENZ when we return. Uh, news of the NPC. Uh, it is the Bunnings Warehouse NPC with a new format, we'll discuss that shortly.
2: Ity longest day golf challenges on now. Register at longestday.org.nz.
1: It's mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
2: Get NASA on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it
6: again. ECNZ is pacing for purpose. Thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand.
3: It is the grand final week too of Pacing for Purpose uh, and uh, over the last uh, few months of course we've been competing as uh, respective shows uh, trying to raise money for a charity of our choice. Uh, we as Mornings have raised $825 but we are behind the leaders, the Run Home group from 4 o'clock onwards on the station, uh, $1,270 they have got. Last chance tomorrow to make up that ground. Uh, we have our horse uh, at uh, Hawara, race 4, number 3, the horse is called Corfield. Simply Caulfield, Hawara, race for number three tomorrow, Corfield to get uh, more money for Women's Refuge, uh, our nominated charity. So we look forward to that. Now, John, always these changes uh, in the uh, Bunnings Warehouse NPC, including the name, but uh, Bunnings Warehouse uh, NPC it is to be. But uh, all of a sudden, uh, these are quite revolutionary changes, I believe, on what we finished with at the end of last year, of course. Uh, and if anyone's going to be happy about this, it'll be Neil Barnes from Taranaki, I believe. Just the way I'm reading it initially.
1: Yeah, old Barnes eh? Um, kicked up a bit of a stink last year, and fair enough too, some would say. Because um, his team were killing it. They were beating premiership teams, but they couldn't win the title. Um, so he was like, what's going on here? Why can't we have every single province in the NBC challenging for the title? Well, that's what they've done, Smithy. They've changed it. All 14 teams now will have a chance to win the title and there will be quarterfinals. So eight teams will make the playoffs, quarterfinals, then semifinals, then finals. There's still two groups that you play in. Uh, and you have crossover matches, but it's not the same as a championship and premiership. So they're gone, Smithy. No more promotion relegation, which makes me a bit sad, actually, because I liked seeing Wellington relegated. I liked seeing uh, teams like that in that other division that couldn't win it. Um, I quite like that aspect of it, but it's gone. Did you like the promotion relegation, or do you like this one where every team can win it?
3: I Look, like, I like a competition where every game matters. Um, You know, uh, every game has substance and I'm sure the players and the fans like that as well. There's no point saying after three or four games in the competition, we can't win it, um, but we're not going to get relegated either. So what's the purpose? Hmm. You know, so I kind of like there being for reason for every game. Um, And I I guess there will be for this because there's a lot of games uh, looking to be played here. Now, uh, for those people at home that haven't or driving around the car, haven't quite got their head around it as yet. Uh, including uh, me talking a load of dribble right now. Uh, teams placed uh, one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. Uh, they will sit with the odd conference. And teams placed two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. Obviously, they sit with the evens conference based on last year. Yep. Correct? Yep.
1: So I've got those for you. So the odds conference Waikato came first. So they're the top team in the odds conference, Hawkes Bay, came third. Bay of Plenty. 5th, Wellington, 7th, Otago, 9th, Southland, 11th, and Counties Manukau, 13th. So that means the evens are Tasman, Canterbury, Auckland, Taranaki, four very good sides there, Manawatū, who were on the improve last year, North Harbour, who we didn't get to see a lot of, and Northland. So those are the odds and evens pools for next year, and just looking over it, I might just have one eye patch on, but man, the evens. Pool looks very, very difficult to get out of. But, you know, come the day, come the man. In provincial rugby, squads change so much. So,
3: who knows, Smithy? Can I be selfish too here? Bear in mind being selfish. Yeah. And my good colleague, uh, I can see there too, Brian Rariri will enjoy being a little selfish with me on this one as well. Uh, because uh, we hold the Ranfurly Shield, the Ranfurly Shield will only be played in the odd conference, the way <laughs> I read that. Uh, because... Uh, Of the fact that um, that's where the games will be, the odd crossover game. But I do believe basically it will be played in the odd conference. Now, um, at the moment, that looks on what you've been saying to be the slightly easier conference, John.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, counties in Southland haven't been up to much, have they, recently? I know we've got a lot of Stags listeners and love you guys and I know you brought up the 9-3 win over Canterbury where you took the Ranfurly Shield home about two decades ago, but it was a long time ago. And then you got Otago, who are championship-bound constantly. Uh, Wellington, hot and cold. Bay of Plenty, Hawke's Bay, Waikato, I think, are all very, very good sides. But, yeah, you've avoided Tasman. Not that that's a big deal, I know. Thrashed them for the Ramfley Shield, didn't you? Canterbury, Auckland and Taranaki, mm. who are just unreal last year. So a revamp for the NPC. I think it was needed uh, from listening to the fans and listening to guys like Neil Barnes. Um, have they got it right? It's still a tiny bit confusing, but, you know, at least we've got straight quarterfinals, semifinals and a final, and we can all understand that. And all teams at the start of the year
3: can win it. Man, hell, what about the logistics of that, John? Playing every yeah. single game in either Queenstown or Southland. <laughs> Seventy seven games Do down there? there. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the groundsman <laughs> at bloody oh, rugby God. park's got a got a raise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good luck good luck to them. Uh, eleven forty-nine here on S E N Z uh, checking with Staffy before midday.
2: Here we go, here. Download the